welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today our guest is chris larsen welcome back chris so you came at episode 18 and welcome back rama great to be here again thank you thank you very much So share me a little bit more about what, what are you king on in the last couple of years? Yeah, geez, it's been a crazy couple of years, right? With the pandemic and, um, you know, big, big slowdown and then a big snapback last year as far as commercial real estate is concerned. So um, we've, we've ridden that wave. We'd started a couple of short-term rentals in the process, my wife and I here in, in Asheville, North Carolina. And we've also expanded from multifamily, which was our primary focus for a long time. Uh, and, and um, also added self-storage. And we're also looking at what I would call operating real estate. So things that have more of a business component, like car washes, for instance. Um, as we you know get further along in this market cycle, I think it's great to have high cash flow businesses and real estate that can help supplement those very stable um, portions like multifamily. got it. how do you see multi family in current you know current market yeah from you know interest rates cap rates and you know inflation so overall returns point of view yeah i mean we have obviously seen cap rates compress across asset classes you know across the different classes of multi family you know and that's that's a b c and what i've really seen is the the cap rates compress so much in the value add sector that it's it's really hard to make the numbers work there so you have to be i think you have to be a little bit nimble in today's market and i think that that means a couple different things one from a strategic perspective so 2 years ago we were talking a lot about multi um value add multifamily going in investing 5 10 sometimes even more um 5 10,000 or even more per unit to improve the values improve the rents and now it's it's really challenging to um have the capital to bring that in and still make the returns work however we're going into markets we're buying up new assets that have been built in the last year or even in the lease up period and you know markets like florida like nashville where we have an acquisition currently like uh savannah georgia and we're seeing increases in rent 15 20 25% year over year so bringing in operational excellence to properties like that you can you can pivot a little bit from the the heavier value add deals to some lighter value add deals and then also if you if you heard you know some of those markets i just mentioned also moving and being nimble between markets so we're looking at markets that are a little bit smaller than we were looking at a couple of years ago and that's due to the acceleration of the demographic trends that we've seen over the past decade but now more and more people are moving to these you know smaller suburbs these more family friendly or more um lifestyle friendly areas because of all the technology and just the the things that the pandemic has done to you know the the society as far as work you know remote working is concerned yeah got it and how do you see going forward next 5 years yeah so i man i i think about this and i talk about this a lot rama and i think if you look at real estate cycles they typically go in 18 to 19 year cycles if you divide it you're looking at right around 18 and a half years and if you take the bottom of the last cycle which was around 2012 you know you push that out to about 2030 so i think you know over the next 3 to 5 years this market has has some legs to run but we're getting to that period which uh you could call like the winner's curse period which is we've seen you know such a great market for you know 10 years now right 
since 2012, since the market started coming back up, you know, we hit the pandemic and everybody's like, wow, like, you know, I can buy anything I want. Even the pandemic didn't stop the, the tear that real estate was on. And that's when I think you have to be really careful not to be too overconfident. And again, you have to start to think about cash flow. So right now, you know, high quality assets, appropriate loan to value, like nice loan to value cash reserves and cash flow investments are what we are focused on. Good. Yeah, great. And uh, you mentioned uh, and you're uh, diversifying into self-storage and Airbnb and car wash stuff. So would you share a little bit more about your thought process behind it? Yeah. So again, I, I still love multifamily. It's the bulk of our commercial real estate portfolio. But again, talking about being nimble and being flexible with your strategy, if you look at other areas, sometimes when people are so focused on multifamily or say value add multifamily, you can you can look just right next door at the self storage property, and instead of a four cap, you could get a six cap property there and get higher cash flow, higher overall returns. You have to, you know, it's not it's not without effort, not without building the right operating team out there. And I also think that there's, you know, in some of these smaller assets, you can package them as a portfolio. So that's one thing that we're doing in the self-storage and the car wash arena is we're buying up smaller assets. So we're buying from, you know, uh, quote unquote, mom and pop operators. If you look at multifamily, about 80, 85%, sometimes 90% of assets in a market are typically owned by institutional investors. So, you know, smart money, you know, they're, they're owning and operating um, these assets at a high level. Um, there's not a ton of operational inefficiencies that you can really exploit. Whereas if you look at car wash, for instance, I was with my uh, director of operations last week in Columbia, where we're acquiring seven car wash locations. And we were in the back room, we were going through the chemicals that are used in these car washes. We we're going through the water usage. We were talking about the speed of the conveyors. We were looking at the vacuums, there's so many different variables that can bring in revenue, um, the software, all these different things. So as cap rates compress, as overall returns you know, start to, start to go down, I think some of these other operating asset classes where there's more operational inefficiencies that you can uh, quote unquote exploit um, from owners that have been doing very well and haven't had to had to look at some of these things. Those are real areas of opportunity now. And how are the business models different from uh, each asset classes? Yeah, so again, it comes down to the operating team. So whether we're talking about multifamily, self-storage, you know, car wash, uh, we have we own a mobile home park in South Carolina. Every one of those asset classes has a different operating team that has an expertise to focus on that asset class. So multifamily, if you're renting to an average resident with 80, 100,000 or more of average annual income, that's going to be a lot different than a mobile home park where your average lot rent is $300, right? So you have to build out an operating team specifically for each one. And with the car washes, for instance, we have somebody that has engineering and engineering background experience running large operations and really improving you know, those, those small um, little inefficiencies, turn the levers and the knobs, um, or turn the knobs and pull those levers uh, to make those changes. So again, it comes down to the operating team and having the right people in the right place on those teams. Got it. And also you, you mentioned you're focusing on Airbnb stuff also, right? So would you share a little bit about that and how exactly, uh, you know, you're spending your time, you know, managing those stuff? 
Yeah. So if you're listening today and you're, you're trying to get started and you're like, well, man, Chris, that sounds great. Love to buy, you know, a two or 300 unit apartment building or, or buy, you know, seven car washes, but you know, I'm, I'm just getting started in my, in my real estate career. Like, where would I start? I get that question a lot. And I think fix and flips are still an area of opportunity, but I think a really interesting area is short-term rentals. So Airbnb, my wife and I built our home here in the past few years and Asheville is a great Airbnb market. And we have two Airbnbs on our property. And those two Airbnbs bring in substantial revenue that help cover most of the costs of the property. I also have a coaching client. He's built out a property as well. And you know, he has, he's going to have five figures of income per month from that one little community that he's building here outside of Asheville. So I think today it's hard to find good deals in residential real estate where you can just buy and hold a property to rent. But again, if you layer in that operational component, again, you might think like, well, I don't want to run an Airbnb, but if you layer in that operational component, there's potentially 10 times the profit to be made. So if now you're thinking, well, okay, you sold me on the profit, Chris, but I don't want to run an Airbnb. Listen to episode 50 of our podcast. You can check us out at nextlevelincome.com. And episode 50, we have Kyle Stanley, who's a friend of mine. He talks about ways that you can not only manage or you know, have control over short-term rentals or Airbnbs without buying the property, but also how you can really systematize these. And I've personally taken his course, bought his course with my own money and used his strategies to increase the revenue in our properties more than 25%, just with some really simple tricks. And my wife runs these properties in about 15 minutes a day. Got it. So, so you're planning to personally operating these Airbnbs, right? Yeah, they're on they're on our property where our main residence is. So yeah, we run these, but uh, we don't do the we don't do the cleaning. The booking is all automated. The pricing is all automated. So yeah, technically we're operating those, but we have systems in place to handle all the day to day. So you're you're planning to run more Airbnbs going forward? I'm looking at a project right now, but uh, obviously we got a lot of irons in the fire. So uh, we're focused on on scaling out each of those businesses appropriately. We're happy right now with the two Airbnbs that we have. So how are you uh, managing, you know, your time, you know, managing multiple asset classes, all this stuff? Yeah. So again, if, you know, if you're listening, you, you don't just want to jump into everything all at once. You need to um, you need to get a specific strategy up and running and put the right team in place. And once that's going and it's efficient and it's humming, humming along, then that's the time where you can start to, to start to look at other stuff. So, you know, I've, I've layered in these asset classes over the period, over a period of years, that's allowed us to do that. And like I just mentioned, so like, I don't actually manage our short-term rentals. We have systems in place to do that. My wife handles, you know, some of the day-to-day -day stuff and, um, if there's any questions or bookings, um, if we're out of town, we have a house sitter that handles those things. So I'm not the one managing all of the different um, operational things. I, I like to handle the high level strategy with all this stuff. So again, I think whether you're in business or real estate, um, whatever you're doing, the best thing to do is as you scale up a specific strategy or revenue stream within your business, you need to make sure that you have the right person that can ultimately take that over before scaling into something else. Got it. So would you share any challenging experiences in the last couple of years? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, thinking back to, you know, last time we spoke kind of around that period, it was, it was literally almost two years to the day when, you know, things were shutting down from COVID. Right. And I was renting, we were renting a house, my wife, my two boys and I were living there and we were building our current residence and I was managing a medical device distributorship. 
And, you know, obviously we have, we had, Oh, I don't know about, um, a thousand units at that time. And when everything shut down, I, I looked at my wife and I said, I don't know, as we went into April, I was like, I don't know if we're going to have any revenue come in next quarter from the apartments, from the, the medical device business, from our office downtown, my, 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 my attendance downtown here in Asheville said, Hey, Chris, like we have to shut down the businesses. We, we can't pay you, you know, for the next two months. So I, I took, I, you know, I, we may have mentioned, we may have talked briefly about how um, we've used life insurance and cash value life insurance to help fund some of our different projects. But what I did was I, I, I took um, a couple hundred thousand dollars out of our life insurance policies and stuck it in the bank as a, as a cash cushion to make sure that we were good for the rest of the year. Um, but I will tell you what, I know we've, you know, come out the other side of COVID, there's a lot of people that whose businesses were were devastated or or no more. Um, it was it was very nerve wracking. You know, there were no surgeries being scheduled. No one had to pay rent. I, I didn't know how we were going to come out of that. And then you know the other challenge is I had I had antivirals that I'd purchased. I purchased N95 masks. I didn't know what our health was going to be like. So you know to to really focus so much on your health and be um, worried about the potential health of your family. And then on top of that, you know, have all your revenue streams shut down. That's, that's probably the most stress I've, I've seen in the past two years for sure. Yeah. Thank you. So would you also share any best experiences in the last couple of years? Well, yeah, if 2020 was, um, you know, it was rough, you know, at the end of that year, we moved into a new home, the bought the lot over eight years ago, my wife's an architect. So we spent years planning and building it. And we have two young boys, 10 and 12. So the experience of taking that project to fruition after, after being in real estate for, this will be my um, 23rd or 24th year, maybe my 24th year, Rama. So it was really cool to take something, you know, from a vision and then work with my partner, my spouse on that. And, you know, it was just a, it was a real, really fun experience. And then, you know, I mentioned the Airbnbs to also have an income producing component. Um, it wasn't the biggest project we did. You know, I could, I could talk about like the biggest apartment acquisition we had and, you know, those different things, but having a place where I get to share the environment with my family and knowing that uh, my wife and I, you know, created this from a vision we had is, is pretty special. Got it. And uh, what is your focus uh, this year or next year? Yeah. So again, um, focusing on those operating real estate businesses and adding those to the portfolio to help increase the cash flow that we have coming in on a monthly basis um, and really start preparing you know, for I mentioned, you know, if and when there's another downturn, you know, I want to prepare for prepare for that, have cash on hand. Also, um, I spent a significant portion of last year learning about Bitcoin and um, I invested uh, pretty heavily in some different Bitcoin operations. So this year, um, we'll be launching some opportunities for investors to become involved with that as well. I think it's a, it's a really interesting asset class that has unique characteristics that you know we, we really have not seen in the history before. Great, great, uh, great. So would you share any best any books that impacted your life in the last few years? Yeah. So look, I'm, I was I was talking about real estate cycles, and there's there's a great book that anybody can read. It's called The Secret Life of Real Estate and Banking. The Secret Life of Real Estate and Banking by Philip Anderson, and he talks all about real estate cycles. He, he gets that 18.6 year average. And he highlights going back in history um, where where he comes up with that. And then 
Of course, if you're listening today, you can get a copy of my book for free, Next Level Income. If you go to nextlevelincome.com, you can click on the book link and I'll even send you a copy if you put your address in. Got it. So how are you giving back to community, Chris? Yeah. So last year, uh, there's a nonprofit here in Asheville called Open Doors of Asheville. And we started a financial literacy program for that group. It's um, their, their mission is to help send underprivileged children. Um, I'm sorry, uh, take underprivileged children that wouldn't have the opportunity to go to college and um, not only prepare them, but give them both the opportunity um, to enter college and help them financially with that. And we, um, we participated in a fundraiser with them. And when I learned that they didn't have a financial literacy program, I thought it'd be a great way to incorporate some of the things that are the mission of Next Level Income, which is providing the education for financial uh, independence to a younger generation. Cool. And how can listeners can connect with you, Chris? Yeah, so I mentioned it a couple of times already, our website. Um, terrific, terrific um, wealth of knowledge there, nextlevelincome.com. We have our podcast, we have our blog, we have the book for free. Um, we have all kinds of stuff that you can you can look, look there. Um, and if you see something on there that um, inspires you or you have more questions, you can always reach out to me at chris at nextlevelincome.com. Awesome. And thank you, Chris. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for adding value to the show. Rama, always my pleasure. Great to talk to you again, my friend. Thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.